Chicago. This is the Spawn of Me podcast, the premier podcast spotlighting people of color in the gaming industry. And I'm your host, Khalif Adams, rocking with you this week and every week. But this week, we're coming to you from location in Las Vegas, uh, coming to you right after the DICE uh, conference. Magic happened throughout the whole week. There are lots of things to talk about. Uh, most of those things I'll be discussing in our other show, some more thoughts that you can check out if you are a Patreon subscriber uh, over at patreon.com slash spawn on me. Again, you can get in on 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 all the goodness that we're doing uh, at two bucks to, to rock out with us over there. But this week we have two really fantastic and exclusive interviews to drop for you all on the feed this week. Uh, first up is Stanley Pia Lewis, who is the president and CEO of the ESA. Uh, if you're not familiar with them, they are the folks who run E3 and also kind of work on the behalf of the gaming industry to kind of be the go-between between um, their entity and uh, the folks over in DC who make policy. Uh, we had a fantastic conversation. We dug into everything from the future of E3 to the the content leak and the data leak that happened uh some months back um so we had a really cool conversation with him uh and i'm really excited for you all to listen to that and then to round out the episode we had nick allen who is the svp uh, for esports and for partnerships over at the management company called loaded uh loaded uh are the folks who manage folks like ammunition tim the Tatman, ninja um, and it was great to talk to to him about just like where content creators are kind of finding their spaces now and how that has changed in the past couple of years. And also the conversation around, you know, where's the lack of, of brown folks in that space and especially in esports and kind of the main folks that you see who get pushed out in the world uh, based on uh, the work that they do in the, in the streaming and content creator spaces. So really excited for all the things that we are going to get a chance to talk to you about this week on our show. Uh, please send me feedback about what you think. Um, of course, the audio quality is going to be a little bit different because we're doing it on location. So be mindful of that. But again, like, please hit me up on social media. Let me know what you think. Uh, and I hope you really enjoy the episodes and really check out uh, all the stuff that we have uh, coming down the pipeline for the rest of 2020. So much love. We'll see you on the flip side and peace. What's good, Bracago? This is Khalif here. This is Dice 2020. I am here with a very, very special guest. Um, I was super excited to know that this gentleman was going to be rocking with us today, and I want to be able to share with you the dopeness that is Stanley Pierre Lewis from the ESA, president and CEO of the ESA. Stanley, how are you doing? How's everything going? Well, that's the best introduction I think I could ever get. So <laughs> I got the dopeness, so that's cool. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm super excited to have you rocking with us uh, here. Um, DICE is a very interesting conference, um, and I'm sure that you have attended not only conferences like this before, but especially going to one that is so dev-centric and kind of uh, kind of influencing the way that the industry is kind of, kind of move going forward. How has your DICE been so far? How's everything going? Well, let me just first say, I love the work you do. It's important to have that voice and to have all the things you talk about. So I'm excited about being here and being on spawn on me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you <laughs> no, so it's, much. It's for that. meaningful what you do. Um, and it's meaningful that you're here because I did hear that episode about dice yeah. that you did. And I thought that was really thoughtful. Thank you. And just looking at how people represent themselves, how we get represented. Absolutely. And to pause for a moment and see what's really happening and then have the conversation. So I think that that was a powerful statement you had. Thank you. Thank so you. I appreciate, appreciate that. that. Yeah. So uh, let me tell you a little bit about ESA, mm -hmm. what my role is there, and why I find DICE to be a really critical thing for, for me to be at. 
Uh, so I started at ESA as its general counsel about five years ago, mm -hmm. and I've come from a background of film, television, and music. Mm -hmm. um, I played games as a kid, and now as a parent of a 13-year-old, I'm playing again, and we'll talk a little bit about that later. Yeah. Uh, but um, uh, I came to this industry understanding where it sat in the universe of, of creative industries, of technology, and always fascinated by uh, what was going on in the game space. And the opportunity to lead the organization was just thrilling. And at a time when we have so many issues that are impacting our industry. Mm -hmm. So coming to places like DICE is important because I live in Washington, yep. which is where we work. And ESA is the voice and advocate for industry writ large. We work in the federal government, we work in the states, we partner with international organizations. And most of that is dealing with policy issues. Mm. Uh, but to understand where the industry is going, in addition to our members, we want to make sure we're talking to the community. So we make an effort to make sure we're at various conferences and talking to different people to make sure we're hearing from the different voices so that we're advocating in the most authentic way possible. Hmm. And, and DICE is uh, a conference that's really, I would use the word bespoke, yeah. in the crowd that it brings in, in the topics that get discussed. The keynotes, for example, aren't going on at the same time. There's sure. one after the other and everyone goes and listens. And then there's a series of roundtables day two. So it's an opportunity for everyone to hear the same message and then have a break and talk about what they just heard and, and where it's going. And it's important for us at ESA to make sure we're not just staying in Washington, but we're talking actively to all kinds of players within the industry uh, to get that voice right. So it's exciting to be here. and and to be meeting with you to hear what you have to say as well. Yeah, I, th I think the, one of the beautiful things that the ESA has been able to do has been able to kind of figure out how they are going to maneuver while being that bridge between government and kind of the public in the way that it is in the industry in and, in and of itself to be able to advocate in those ways. What are some of the things that you're seeing in those same spaces, those political realms, those conversations between the industry that seem to be the kind of most bubbled up topics right now. I've seen lots of conversations around unionization. I've seen lots of conversations about crunch and making sure that industry folks are doing well physically, mentally, and everything else. What are some of the conversations that you're hearing in the circles that you're in that maybe talk to some of those things? Well, the, the biggest thing that we're working on now uh, speaks to all those things in, a, in, a, in an interesting way. Uh, we launched a campaign called Game Generation hmm. to really uh, amplify and celebrate what makes video games so great. So we're in an age now, generally, where everyone is re-examining their relationship with technology. Mm -hmm. And it's a time when you're seeing technology come into the news uh, in a way that's more negative than it's been before. Sure. And much more political, irrespective of political party. Yep. When we were doing recent surveys, we found that the one area of technology that people are most happy about is video games. Hmm. And in fact, 73% of people say they view playing video games as an important stress relief. Yep. And so in many ways we are part of tech, but in other ways we're creating communities, we're creating opportunities. Uh, we certainly are helping our economy in an important way. Mm -hmm. And so we launched this campaign in order to start that conversation about the positive impact of games. Yeah. There are gonna be these other policy issues that we're gonna to have to deal with, but if we're not creating a positive narrative for ourselves, no mm -hmm. one's gonna do it for us. 
Yeah. And this is an opportunity of not ESA saying to everyone, look how great games are, but us serving as a catalyst for conversations and getting people to talk about what makes games so great, collecting those stories, and then amplifying them. So that the next time someone's blaming video games for the next societal ill, and you're doing that in a misplaced way, we have a record of what people are actually saying. And the fact that three quarters of US homes have at least one gamer in there no. speaks to the growth and the, and the power of games. So we're excited about that story. When we look at those other policy issues that come up, whether it's uh, the unionization that you mentioned mm -hmm. or monetization and the like, the first thing we try to do is understand what's actually happening to make sure we're not dealing with um, inaccuracies or rumors, but rather what's the state of play. And then we look for the best way to advocate for industry because a lot of these issues um, bubble up based on smaller anecdotes as opposed to what the main uh, thing is that's going on in, in the space. And what we're finding is people not only love video games, but it's impacting their lives, it's creating communities. So right now, 65% yep. of people play together, either in person or online. Mm. And that's what's really fueled the growth. You need great games, you need great um, consoles and, mm -hmm. and, and PC computers, uh, gaming computers. You need all those things in order to to want to play the game and, and be excited about it. But it's that community that's really built the audience. And so we want to harness that for the force of good, which is elevating the status of games. Yeah, it's it's always interesting to see, and we talk about this with friends and, and industry folks as well, about we as industry uh, folks who are working in it most intimately, we also have our bubbles that we're constantly getting information and misinformation sometimes as well. What's the, what's the, the, the hardest thing to kind of battle when it comes to the kind of political uh, uh, leanings and political work that has to happen when it comes to making law or making or, or advocating or, or or trying to figure out good ways to, to speak to folks who don't necessarily uh, speak the language of gamers and speak the language of the industry. What's the kind of hardest thing that you're trying to figure out and bridge the gap between the folks who are making policy and the folks who are playing those games and making those games? Sure, I think it's replacing the negative narrative. So here's a great example. Uh, we had two episodes, um, re uh, I shouldn't say recently, within the past couple of years, sure. uh, that where video games were blamed for societal uh, ills. Yep. One was in February of 2018, horrible shootings, yep. and the president and others blamed video games. We had a wonderful dialogue as an industry um, with the White House and others, uh, but also pointed out that video games sold in the United States are sold everywhere else in the world. Right. Yet we're the only ones with a gun violence problem. Right. And in getting that message out, people understood that video games shouldn't be treated any differently than music, film, anything else. Uh, and in fact, if you look at the history of uh, entertainment as it comes up, whether it's music or movies or even pinball machines and mm -hmm. comic books, mm -hmm. they, were all, they were all looked at in ways that were affecting America's youth in some negative way. And sure. now we accept them as the norm, right? Yeah. Um, and so part of what we're trying to do is make sure that they understand that in game. So when in August of 2019, there were those horrible shootings in El Paso, Texas and Dayton, Ohio, mm -hmm. and the president and others, again, blame video games, the internet pushed back and policymakers pushed back. And mm -hmm. they were pushing back on the point saying, these games are sold everywhere else in the world. 
Yeah. They don't have a gun violence problem in Japan and Canada and other places. Why is it us? It's not video games. And in fact, the, tr the number one trending hashtag on Twitter for two or three days was video games are not to blame. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. and that was an organic movement based on information that was available to people mm -hmm. and it being accepted as the reality because it is. And so as advocates, our job is to create those moments where people think before they blame mm. and then react in a positive way. And so, you know, game generation is part of that, but so is this conversation, yeah. attending dice, and then talking to policymakers because many of them are gamers, many of their kids are gamers. Interestingly, many of their parents are now gamers because mobile has grown. Yeah. Believe it or not, the AARP, yes, the AARP, <laughs> Uh, puts out studies on video gaming. Their most popular page on their website is their video game web, uh, web page. And they put out a study in 2016 that there were over 40 million um, older gamers, what they call silver gamers. Yeah. And in December of 2019, they put out a, a revised study where it's now at 51 million. So you're seeing this growth in all age groups. And in fact, just as many people over 50 play as under 18 because the average age is 33 of a gamer. Yeah. And a lot of people don't realize 46% of gamers are women. Yeah. So uh, we have a positive story to tell and it's a matter of pausing and really sharing that story on a broad basis. Yeah, I, I, what I love about the energy that we're seeing right now around the gaming industry and games itself has been that like, hey, this is the space where we can all kind of lay down our flags for a minute and say we're all kind of in this space together. Um, what is the the conversations that you're kind of having between the industry folks specifically to say we are trying to help broaden out and kind of scope out better ways that you can help tell your stories in the games that you're making and also kind of helping to see with the toxicity that we see in the space a lot um, is ESA working in any ways to kind of help you know give or, or, or you know connect people to have better tools to be able to fight some of this online toxicity that we see in social media and in other spaces like that well one of the things we push for is more inclusivity and more civility yep. uh, so i don't have a particular program for esa but what i will say is um, there's an esa foundation which is mm -hmm. a sister organization and one of the reasons they were created was to cre uh, um, provide scholarships for under uh, underrepresented groups yep. So people of color and women, and they give a number of scholarships every year. They're expanding it now to esports as well. Yep. Again, focusing on women and people of color. So what you call POCs yes. on your site. Yes, <laughs> yes indeed, yes indeed. Uh, and so that's been a mainstay for us to push for more inclusivity. Uh, and by doing that, you start a dialogue where people are talking to each other and realizing we're all the same. We, yeah, yeah. we love this game, and that's what's driving us yeah. to be in this industry. Yeah, uh, we're in an election year. We're, we're going to start to have those things bubble themselves up as well. Yeah. I'm sure if you've been on Twitter or in any other social media, you've had people screaming all kinds of bloody murder about whatever their candidate's been doing. Um, one of the cool things that we do at Spawn Me is we run um, social justice um, activations that kind of go along with either talking to or building up a charity that, that doesn't get represented in most ways. One of the things we're hoping to do this year is hit. The, um, the gamer voter conversation. Um, I know that there's been some work done in the past from the ESA about kind of getting out and driving the vote um, from an organization standpoint. Are any of those things kind of coming back uh, for, for 2020? We're definitely looking at that. We've, we've had um, pushes in the past, either on our own or working with other organizations yep. to push uh, uh, a voting drive out. We actually did a survey recently of video gamers 
and 60% of video gamers recently said that they are for certain going to be voting in this election. That's awesome. Right, so if you look at 164 million American adults, 60% 60 of them for certain are gonna be doing it. That's about 98 million people. Hmm. And if you look at the breakdown, it's roughly even. It's about 37% Democrat, 33% Republican, Hmm. and the rest are independent or other. So you're talking about uh, a landscape that covers every political persuasion and these are all people tied together by video games, but they're also going to be politically active. So mm. that means there's an opportunity for us to work in that way. And it's definitely something we're going to look at this year. Cool. Cool. I'm happy about that because that's the thing I yeah. care about a lot about. Now, we're nonpartisan. What we do is Absolutely. we just push for, for the vote as opposed to any candidate. Yeah, yeah. The work that we do is, is in that same vein, too, because a lot of companies and organizations are like, we don't want partisan uh, yeah. politics. So we don't we don't do in uh, in those ways. Um, I want to shift a little bit towards E3. E3 is, again, the premier show that that everyone is dying to get into and, and wants to go to. Um, it's had a little bit of a struggle in the past couple of years in terms of kind of building itself out and kind of continuing to be the main show that people have been thinking about. Some companies have pulled out. Uh, folks have, even today, Jeff Keeley talked about kind of pulling out of the show. What's the conversations that you're kind of having now towards, you know, building E3 back up to the same place of prominence that it was before? Or what are you kind of talking about in terms of giving um, both the public that is now uh, coming into the space and also the folks who are behind the scenes and working in the press um, spaces to feel really good about what's coming up next? Sure. Uh, E3 needs to continue to evolve. Yeah. And two or three years ago, we started a series of changes to try to evolve it. Uh, one, for example, was to add a consumer element. Mm-hmm. We invited 15,000 consumers to come and enjoy what E3 is, and that's been a great success. Uh, the other was to add E3 Coliseum, and we built that uh, in coordination with Jeff Keeley to get that audience hearing directly from the innovators, the game creators, and they were essentially uh, conversations with leading thinkers in the game space, yep. or people who aren't in the game space but really love games. Yeah. So you have like Jack Black, Elon Musk, and others uh, talking about video games. And this year, we're going to continue that evolution, but really try to revive it in different ways. So we're excited about doing more streaming, for example, so that people are connected to the show and creating more moments so that the people who are there feel excited about what they've experienced, Mm -hmm. but also people in the uh, online audience can feel the excitement for themselves. So, you know, we just announced that we'll be... Uh, opening registration this week, February 15th, mm-hmm. and that'll start a series of announcements we'll have about what's to come. But we think it's going to be a broad, inclusive, entertaining yeah. uh, two days of excitement around video games, and uh, we couldn't be more thrilled to be hosting it. What people don't realize is, notwithstanding all the news, yeah. it still continues to dominate in the online world. Um, it just uh, puts all other shows... Um, way behind in terms of the views it gets and the attention it gets. Uh, and that's part of the, the magic of being the owner and operator of this important brand is people are so excited about it and so interested in it that every move you make gets a lot of attention. So we're carefully trying to curate what we say and what we do uh, to maximize the impact ultimately for the exhibitors and then for the fans to experience what they're what they're showing. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that I always found really interesting about the show, because I've been going for maybe six years now, I, I snuck in way back in the day, um, <laughs> but going proper now, <laughs> having been going uh, in, in the real legit way. Um, the thing I've always appreciated about what it does is it, gives everybody for a week this ability to kind of come around and kind of like coalesce around gaming in a, in a, in a great way. 
Um, what I also really appreciate is the fact that the, the show has tried to figure out good ways to build in uh, content and also kind of bringing in folks. Like we, we were lucky enough to be able to have, uh, there were some booths on the floor that they had space for and we were able to podcast there and have like major, major people there. Um, like that's the thing I'm hoping to see in the terms of like being able to rebuild those things up and continue to do that kind of stuff. What are some of the things that you feel like the team has learned from other shows that are doing not not the same kind of show, but fairly similar ones in ways that you can kind of help um, facilitate the way the public is going to kind of maneuver in those spaces? Because it's not necessarily it still has a cachet as not being a public show. Right. Sure. It's for the industry is for those folks to be able to do that work. Um, so it is one of those things where they're still trying to figure out, it feels, um, how to incorporate both and make everyone happy. What are some of the conversations that you're having about that stuff? Well, you know, um, a consumer show would be much larger. Yeah. Right. Because uh, if you look at some of the ones that are more consumer based, they're much larger. And the way that you exhibit at that show is very different. You you arrange your booth much differently. You have more play stations, yeah. um, literal uh, uh, playing stations for, for people to use. And E3 for many of our exhibitors is the moment to speak to the public around the world. Mm -hmm. But adding the consumer element added a level of excitement. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things that we've got to figure out is how do we create even more excitement on the floor? And then how does that permeate to the outside world? Mm -hmm. So when you watch you know, one of the late night talk shows, they don't have a million people at the show. Right. They have 200 to 500 people as their audience but they're excited about what they see, but you've yep. got to put a good show on. They're not just going to clap. Sure. Um, but the way that it sends the message around the world, the way it gets connected is something that we're watching. Like how do we make sure that E3 connects with the people who care about video games as passionately as we do? Yeah. And so I think that's what we're, we're looking to see. And there are other shows that, that do a great job of the on-floor experience for consumers. Sure. Uh, but we're a different type of show, mm -hmm. and I think we're still evolving what that means. But we know that when you're doing major announcements, it's a different uh, live experience than it is if you're having people try out games. Uh, mm -hmm. And it, you know that's why you wouldn't see someone at more of a consumer show streaming as much throughout the show because you're just watching people play games as yeah. opposed to the announcements and people talking about what's to come and seeing some demo play. Um, and so I think we're going to have exciting things this year. We'll have uh, some celebrities. We'll have some celebrity gamers. Cool. We'll have uh, a lot of digital programming from the floor. Uh, I think we're, we're, we're excited about what's to come. That's cool. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see what the evolution is going to be of E3. I feel like you know, there's a lot of conversation in many circles within the industry that's like, E3 is dying and we need to figure out ways to make this thing a better show or it needs to evolve or grow and, and, and get bigger or at least kind of morph into something that's different. I do feel like there is a really interesting space that you can land in that does justice to, to most of those folks. I know I've heard rumors about the conversations around, you know, being um, press days kind of being early and then everybody else kind of being able to get in, which I know for me would be fantastic. And for, you know, chugging around and holding a whole bunch of stuff, <laughs> uh, it's easier to do that uh, than to kind of running, uh, running through thousands of people. Um, but in I'm fact, happy. To in, in fact, we did announce today that, uh, June 9th is going to be a media day, and then June 10th and 11th will be the consumer day. So there is a media day. That is fantastic. You have just saved my back and my legs for, for multiple running into people. Um, but that's great. Uh, I'm happy to hear that that's going to be a part of the conversation going forward, and that's going to be something that's happening. Um, is, there, is there a little worry at all about some of the other kind of mainstays kind of pulling out of the show? Does it, does it feel like... Um, 
the ability to kind of showcase things in the way that you hope to showcase them are diminished at all from the bigger companies kind of pulling out and doing their sideshows at all? What we're finding is that when you look at the numbers, particularly online, yeah. just as many people are engaged in seeing what's happening. Got it. And you're also finding that for those who are there, they feel like they have more space to really get their message out. So I think when you have everyone there, it really helps amplify everyone. And yep. I think everyone gains from it. But you also find that when someone's not there, you know, you, you see, you know, some of, you know, Microsoft last year, it's Xbox announcement was huge. Yeah, Keanu absolutely. Reeves, yeah. uh, you know, what a moment for, for industry and for him to connect with industry in that way. Yeah. So we're still seeing that there are these exciting moments that happen. Yep. Uh, but, you know, I think we want to make it a compelling show every year. And we also want to make it attractive for everyone to want to be there. So yep. we have that goal in mind, but we also recognize we still need to put on a good show every year. Yeah. Um, one of the other parts of um, 2019 that happened during E3, there was a conversation around some information being let loose um, and that information getting out and, and folks uh, in the industry kind of having that info shared out in a way that they didn't necessarily want, uh, me included in that grouping of folks. Uh, what's the conversation about security? What's the conversation that you're all having about making sure that stuff like that doesn't happen again? Because I, I know in my circles, it's one of the biggest topics that Absolutely. we're I'm all glad you raised about. it. Uh, the first thing we did was rebuild the site hmm. and did so in conjunction with a cybersecurity firm because uh, we didn't want to tinker. We wanted to redo and rebuild so that we knew from the ground up we were putting in the right security layers and the right security practices, which yeah. is really critical. Hmm. And, you know, so for example, one of the practices now is that we're going to take less information, enough okay. for you to register and for us to know it's you, yeah. uh, but not... Uh, collecting all the information that may have been necessary years ago, but not really necessary now. Yeah. So I think that's one is collecting less. The second, the information is never stored on the site. Okay. And so once the information is delivered, it's actually delivered into a different site so that it's not resident on the site. So personal data is not accessible at all, even behind the access control walls on the site, because exhibitors have special uh, access yeah. and the like. Uh, that's not where information uh, with personal data is going to be accessible. Great. And then we've committed ourselves to ensuring that we keep up with the latest practices because anyone who builds a computer or a site or anything like that knows the day that you think you've got it is the day that you've lost. That It's a continual mm. process. That's why we're always getting updates on our systems. Uh, and we're going to continue to do that. So we, we've ensured that our practices not only um, are up to date, but to make sure that moving forward, we are enhancing as we as we proceed. That's fantastic. I'm happy to hear that. That, that gives me some solace in knowing that changes are happening and, and, yeah. and that some of those things and some of the conversations that we've all had are, are, are moving in a yeah, good we, direction. We heard it. We heard it, and we wanted to make sure we were responding in the right way. Yeah, I think one of the one of the things that I think most folks, especially in the press, are, have been thinking about or wanting to share, uh, and I'll do it as a cipher for them for this moment is. We've all been trying to figure out ways to feel safer, kind of dealing with or kind of putting our information in. I'm happy again, you're going to be taking less of that. Is there, any, is there going to be any kind of forum or conversation that happens with the press at all in some way that is like, hey, we know we messed up. We, we want to kind of build trust again. What are some of the conversations that you're all having about that part of it? Because I feel like 
we're all excited to hear that this is going to be what's happening from the nuts and bolts perspective. But I think that there's also some still, you know, sure. hurt feelings in that respect of like, I don't know if I can trust to be able to do that work again and feel safe when, you know, families and other people may be at risk. Yeah, we've definitely been doing outreach to connect with different people who, whether they were affected or not, but just to rebuild that trust. We know we've got to earn that trust back. Yeah. And we understand the gravity of the situation to people who are affected. Great. And so our number one priority is making sure we have a platform yeah. that is uh, safe and then ensuring that people understand it and see that we mean it because we know that we've got to earn the trust back, but that we've also got to maintain that high level of uh, trust yeah. because the the value of the media at E3 can't be overstated. Hmm. Right? That's the reason uh, the, the show is the way it is and that's become so popular and, and, and important to industry. So it's a, it's the most critical relationship. Yeah. And so we've got to treat it with the respect it deserves. I know we're running out of time, but I want to, I want to shift back towards family. I want to shift back towards, you talked about your child, your son. Yeah. Um, how did, you know, how is, how is he feeling about the fact that like, Hey, my dad is the head of E3. He like, is, he is, cool he is exactly what you think a 13 year old would be. First of all, <laughs> I can't win an argument on screen time or anything because he knows all the arguments. And so, uh, uh, so here's what I'll say about him. So first of all, he's a really good gamer and he's gotten like, you know, super, super good on a lot of these, uh, games. Um, we recently built a, uh, gaming PC together. Nice. Because he was, he was, you know, he was loving his Switch, he was loving his yeah. PlayStation, loving his Xbox, but he felt like it was time to move on to PC games. That's awesome. So we, it took about four weekends because I didn't have a lot of time during the week. Yeah. Uh, so one weekend on the circuit board and, you know, and, and on the motherboard and all that, and yeah. another on uh, putting the wiring. So uh, we have a really nice uh, gaming PC and now we're talking about parental controls which yeah. we talked about before yes. but now that we're on a new platform we talked about the various types of games and mm -hmm. uh, if you're on certain networks or if you're talking to people what that means so we're spending a lot of time talking about um, uh, what it means to be a responsible gamer. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and and he knows it because he's heard it before, but now that <laughs> putting him online, we've got to have another conversation. Oh, yeah. Uh, and uh, he hasn't won the conversation yet about having his own YouTube account and posting gameplay. Well, he hasn't won that yet. Sure. Uh, so we're just going <laughs> to, we're going to, we're going to slowly boil to that point. But um, it, it's exciting to have a young gamer in your life because yeah. number one, you're, getting to see all these new games. So I play the games he plays mm. and that keeps me up to speed with what's going on. And the other is you're learning the new lingo, you're learning what's hot, you know, the new initials, the new what's, acronyms. What's, what's the latest thing that he's taught you in terms of that part of the game? Uh, he wrote a letter, he had to write a thank you letter to a friend of mine who um, uh, was my sensei uh. on, build, on the build. And he at the end wrote like PVP or something. <laughs> and I said, he goes, play versus play that. You know, so like he just, he speaks gamer. Yeah. Like if it's on YouTube, if it's on uh, a gaming site, that's what he speaks. He's also big in Magic the Gathering. Oh. He's a huge, huge that is That is a dangerous huge drug right there. Huge Magic that's, fan. So, I, I mean, the Magic community too is growing so, yeah. so much on Twitch and all these yeah. other places. But that's the thing like that. is, whether it's video games or Magic, that sense of community, yeah. again, just drives a different level of... Um, respect, inclusivity, yeah. it just puts it at a different level because when someone else is as passionate as he is about yeah. what he's doing, it just, it creates these great connections. As a parent, you're just excited to see that 
these are bringing people together and bringing excitement and joy to, to, to your little one. So, yeah, that's fantastic. I love hearing stuff like that. Um, I know we're about to get up out of here. I know we have to go. Um, the last question I have for you is kind of just the more kind of existential version of it is, you know, you're now running, running the big show You're in the ESA kind of pushing things forward. What, what is your charter going to be? What do you want that to, to kind of look like going forward? And, and it's, it's not, it's one of those weird like legacy questions that you're like, what is your legacy going to be uh, when you've just kind of started the process? But it's, um, interesting to hear your thoughts about like what is the thing that you're hoping to kind of has have as your mandate kind of going forward? I think the number one thing for us is taking our industry away from a defensive posture hmm. and being offensive and proud of what we do and what we contribute, hmm. whether that's to the social fabric, whether that's to education, because more and more teachers are using video games in classrooms yeah. and they're finding, I think 71% of teachers find that it helps in computational skills and in learning generally. Yeah. So, you know, being, being uh, f you know, on the front foot about what our industry is about. And game generation is one aspect of that, but there are others where, from a policy perspective, going in and talking about the positive economic impact we have, the fact that we're job creators, and yeah. that the jobs we create are well above the U.S. average. And then there are things like video gamers travel more than the normal Americans, sleep more, exercise more. It's counterintuitive to where people are. Yeah. But people who play video games actually over-index on all the things we think are positive attributes. Yeah. So we're going to be much more aggressive about pushing out the positive narrative on the political side, on the economic side, on the social side, mm. uh, and not waiting to defend industry when it gets blamed again for something that it's really not responsible for. Yeah. I need to be on that indexing side where the sleep is because I'm not on that side of the fence yet. Um, Stanley, thank you so much for, for rocking no, with us. No, this was an this, honor. I this, mean, being on great. Spawn on Me oh. with the one and only. Please don't make me blush out here and <laughs> all this. But seriously, I'm, I'm very excited at, at where you're going to be able to take the ESA and E3 and everything else moving forward. We also at Spawn on Me continue to want to do work with you all to try to figure out good ways that we can talk about the inclusivity, diversity Absolutely. aspects and spotlighting people of color in the space. Um, and it's been fantastic to be able to see you kind of come into the, come into here and, and, and make some, some great changes and, I appreciate and that. lock it down. That's awesome. Thank you so much for rocking right, with Thank it. you. Thank you so much. Bricago, oh, if you have a place where people can kind of reach out to you if they want to, maybe social or maybe email or some of that stuff, if you want to share some of that, that would be great. The ESA.com, so it's C-H-E, the ESA.com, yeah. gamegeneration.org. Yeah. And then the other thing we did with E3 this year was provide people with an opportunity to share their thoughts called suggestions at E3expo.com. Awesome. And we've actually got lots of comments and they've been really thoughtful. People are really awesome. providing their perspective on where E3 should go in a thoughtful and meaningful way. Perfect, perfect. Everybody in Chicago, that was awesome. I hope you got some good nuggets of information right there. Uh, we will be seeing you soon uh, from the rest of Dice 2020. Until then, we say peace.
What's up, Chicago? This is Khalif here. We're here at Dice 2020. We're rocking out, hanging in the Aria Hotel. Chilling. Chilling. Yeah. Chilling in one of the most solitary rooms that you find mm-hmm. in. It's like almost like a bunker, but it has like nice house plants kind of yeah, on the walls yeah. to give you the visual. It looks expensive. It looks a little expensive. Yeah, like you can tell they did not go to like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like go to like Hobby Lobby and go yeah, snack yeah, stuff. Yeah. They like it's, actually it's, spend it's money nice on some of Yeah, 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 absolutely. Nice ambiance, ambiance. Yeah. Ambi- yeah. Oh, word. Yeah. <laughs> if we can get ambiance on the show, <laughs> that would be pretty fantastic. Yeah. That amazing, wonderful, dulcet tone that you hear on the other end of that microphone is Nick Allen, who Ooh. is the SVP of East sports and partnerships for loaded yeah massive shout out to you thank you so much for coming and rocking yeah, with man. me on the show today especially yeah. in such a busy busy environment with that, that is all that dice is is running around going to meetings no, and meetings. that's out. all right it's nice to sit down and have a human conversation you know, yeah. and, and do that thing for no sure doubt, no doubt yeah. no doubt i don't have to sell you on a goddamn thing it's so good <laughs> <Exactly>. so good <laughs> so good how are you doing how's your dice so far good it's good i uh i got in late last night uh it's sort of in and out for me i'm you know i'm gonna hang out have a bunch of meetings today and I take off tomorrow get yeah. back to the grind but it's good man it's my first dice I've been fortunate enough to have like a panel that I got to host on stage that and have a good killed. time did ah, I heard that I heard man. you knocked it out the park yeah well, I got some pretty good feedback so I'm excited about it but like my whole mantra is like it was easy because it was all about our creator talent shroud and ammunition joined me up there I didn't have to say anything. I just asked a couple questions they talk <laughs> makes me look good I don't have to do it nothing so it was good man i um it's been a great dice so far so uh first of all i want to talk about the panel that you did yeah give it give a little bit of synopsis for the folks who weren't here about kind of what the conversation was around and what it was about and kind of how shroud and ammunition and the rest of the folks kind of brought their talents to it yeah you know dice is about it's a lot of game developers it's a lot of game executives right and the um, live streaming and content creation is is a vital part of the games industry and it's more and more important and impactful every single day mm-hmm. and it's also not like super widely known about like how this works and the value that like content creators can provide and you know mixer streamers and twitch streamers and youtube streamers like they do they can bring a lot of eyeballs to different mm-hmm. things right and so my goal for the talk with it was myself, Shroud, and Ann up on stage was to give more insight into what does it mean to work with content creators? Mm-hmm. Um, what value do they bring? And there's like sort of two buckets and the takeaways are basically like one, like they can bring a ton of eyeballs, but it's not just about eyeballs. These, these guys have, guys and gals have, uh, a very deep community around them. Mm-hmm. It is more about community than it is about just like raw watching video games. You want to be part of something, right? Yeah. And when you take that and you mobilize that audience and you mobilize that fan base and you point them in the direction of like, hey, check out this game, like check out this partner brand partnership, the sentiment and emotional connection is so much deeper than just like traditional marketing, right? Mm-hmm. So that's that was one of the big takeaways. The second piece is these guys are content creators. They are gamers that play every day. Their perspective on game design is very, very different than, you know, a guy or gal that's been making games for 20 years that like has a, not like a regimented way, but like they have a certain way that they make games. There's a certain way that they think about it. And that is very likely different than how a content creator thinks about games, right? Like, cause they're thinking about it from an entertainment perspective, from watchability perspective. They're not Mm. thinking about it inherently like, you know, just like, is this game at its, at its core, like just really fun. It goes beyond that. Like mechanically it goes into, um, you know, are you engaging an audience? Anyway, so there's just so much more value than just eyeballs. There's so much more valuable value than having a a content creator just play the game. 
they can add feedback and they can be part of that design process that's going to help your game be successful. And that's really what I wanted to get across on stage is like, look, there are, there's a ton of different ways you can work with folks. It's not just what you expect. Yeah. Uh, it is also goes much deeper than that. Yeah. So, so how does that also then <clears throat> kind of digging into what loaded is, mm-hmm. um, share at home, uh, share for the folks at home, kind of what loaded is and, and how those all things. Yeah. So connect. loaded, uh, is a, we're a talent management company is like the core of what we do today and how we started. But we also do a lot of like consulting for brands and, mm. and game companies and events and different folks. But ultimately what we're trying to accomplish is we're trying to bridge the gap between an individual, an organization, and the games industry, yep. right? And historically, as of the last like two to three years, the way that we've done that is through the channel of like talent, right? Like, mm. hey, come in, uh, work with Ninja or Shroud or Tim the Tatman. These are all folks that we manage and Munition, Femstef. Work with them. Um, they will help elevate your game, elevate your brand. Mm-hmm. But in addition to that, you know, over the last six months to a year, we started to do a lot more consulting of like, hey, how do you how do you take a, an industry-wide approach to yeah. this, right? And a part of it should be working with talent, right? And, and, and we're in that, but like, what does experiential events look like? And what do all these other facets of the game industry? So really what we're trying to do is we're trying to connect folks with the game industry. And in some cases, people don't have any idea what how to do it yeah um and we get to come in and tell them like hey here's a bunch of ideas that you have that are terrible but here's some good ideas and how you do it right (laughs) and so much of our job is just telling people like this isn't a good idea um (laughs) and uh all the way to people who've been doing this a long time but like need fresh perspective you know and that sort of thing and the thing about loaded is we are a bunch of gamers ultimately that started a business that uh like we are the demographic that so many of these folks are trying to reach. I'm like, I'm a millennial, but I'm like at the very top of the yeah. age demographic of millennials. No doubt. But like I play games every night and I watch this content all day and I know what works and what doesn't. And I think that really helps us stand out in this industry because we were gamers first and business people second. Hmm. Um, and uh, as I say that, I'm like, my boss is probably over here. Let's be like, what the fuck? Uh, but, but ultimately like that's, that's like what we hang our hat on is like I, you know, I go home, I, from work, which I, where I've been talking about games all day, I, you know, hang out with my family, sit down for dinner, they go to sleep, and then I put, grind games to like two in the morning, yeah. or whatever, right? Yeah. And, um, and that's just like that's so core to our DNA, and that's what Loaded's all about. Yeah, that's fantastic. I yeah. love hearing stuff like that, and it's also really telling to hear that it sounds like the gaps that are still there between brands and influencers and talent and the industry is still not necessarily as close as we would hope it would be. Yeah, what what yeah. are some of the kinds of you know pain points that you're still finding to be in the space when you're trying to connect between like hey here's this person that has this great audience yeah, yeah. in a thing called a video game yeah right, right. <laughs> and here is your your brand x whatever that may be and how do we connect those things like what are, what are you still finding to be the the biggest pain points yeah there's there's a ton of education still to be done right yeah. like i think the the, the chief marketing officers are usually uh, considerably older than the demographic, right, uh, mm-hmm. of, of, of the gaming industry and ecosystem, right? And so there's still a lot of that stigma of like, hey, gamers are basement living, dwelling, you know, anti-social <laughs> folks, right? And uh, and I'm a great example of that. No, I was kidding. Um, you know, but like- <laughs> Have you seen my Instagram? Yeah, exactly. It's a really nice basement. We have like neon lights and stuff. Um, but like, we are still fighting against that perception. Yeah. And so that's part of it. So, so much of what, you know, we do with panels like today and otherwise is like, we're fighting against 
that stigma, right, no. of, of, of what this is about. And if you say, hey, this person plays games for 10 hours a day, mm -hmm. you, have a, you probably have a mental picture of, of what I'm talking about, but realistically, if they're playing 10 hours a day, they're probably competing at a high level and they're probably creating content and they're creating, the, there's an ecosystem around them to support them and help them monetize all of that stuff. So it's very different. So that's that's like at, at, at the core one of the things, sure. right? Is like an education of like gamers aren't what you think they are, mm. and then actually in the sense like we're all gamers. Like, yeah. hey, CMO lady who you know who's you know, been doing sports marketing for a long time. I bet on the weekends you're playing Canasta or you're playing yeah. you know Parcheese or whatever, right? Like those are games too, yeah. right? And when you say gamer, you're not thinking about that, but they're when you start to talk about it in that way, there's, there's like a deeper level of understanding. So I think that's really important. The second thing that we that we're battling against is the unpredictability of live streaming mm -hmm. as you can imagine right mm -hmm. and gaming is such a social experience too yeah. right so you have a lot a lot of different things that can happen in that type of a setting right mm -hmm. where you have folks playing with people they've never played before you have folks that are uh you know irl streaming they're out in the world like you know talking yeah. and experiencing things and a lot of bad things can happen sure right? and a lot of good things can happen and actually in most cases it's all good and yeah. very little bad but we're still fighting against the sentiment of like well what happens if like someone says this thing on stream it's like well look that is that is part of the territory yeah. it doesn't mean it's any less valuable what it means is uh the 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 world is changing in the way that content is consumed and created and you can either be like that's inaccessible that doesn't work for us and honestly be left behind sure. because this is how things are trending or you can embrace it figure out the right process <clears throat> the right partnership you know that's part of what we do uh to make it so it's like safer more predictable mm. you know there's always gonna be that unpredictability but like you can work with folks to like make de-risk it as much as possible yeah. but we are working against this this you know this sentiment that like live is too dangerous and this is the reason you know Live television has like the thirty-second buffer that they can cut out, that sort of thing. Yeah. We're not, we're not living in a buffered world yeah, uh, yeah. on Twitch and on Mixer and on YouTube and with our talent. So uh, it's pretty different than what folks are are used to, to experiencing. It's interesting you say that because I think that one of the things that I think about when you know folks who are familiar with what we do at Spawnomy, they know we're huge advocates for kind of promoting and, and spotlighting people of color in the space. And one of the things that I was also, I was like supposed to be at a, a Twitch summit for Black History Month this week. Uh, but I'm here talking to you, which I'm yeah, very yeah, happy about. Yeah. Well, that um, was a huge mistake. No, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that I was going to broach when it came to having conversations with them yeah, please. was there is a, there seems to be a very like short list of folks who are brand safe, right? Mm -hmm. And those brand safe folks, of course, they've built up their 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 audiences over years and, and multiple years and have grown their brands in huge ways. But it also feels like there's still this gun shyness to also kind of um, attach or to pull in other communities that they may not necessarily be as familiar with. Right. Yeah. How does that kind of conversation kind of work itself through a company like Loaded when you're like, hey, these are the talent that we have. Yeah, yeah. We're still, you know, scouting to see who the next person may be that we yeah, pull right. into that conversation. Like, how are the conversations working in terms of like when you're looking for new folks to possibly onboard and mm -hmm. bring in, are you, how, how wide is the net? Is, is it looking gotcha. pretty far out? And then also kind of like, what are the things that you're looking for specifically? Is it more just in kind of the metric stuff? Or mm -hmm. is it more just like this, this, this person or these people have great personalities that they're kind of, 
you can see the trajectory trajectory kind of mm. moving yeah, in, right. in a reasonable space. Like, what's yeah. the conversation kind of moving there? And and I guess from the brands you're kind of talking to, because I think yeah. those folks are like, we don't know if we can, we, we don't know what gaming is, we don't know what streaming is, and then you also want to, you know, get my stuff in Snoop Dogg's face when you yeah. wheel. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's yeah, like yeah, all yeah. those things. So what's, what's the conversation sound like? Yeah, no, it's interesting. Um, you know, when we were looking at folks that we want to work with, uh, we are we look for folks that are making the effort to to like avoid unfavorable situations, sure. right? And uh, knowing full well that they can't control everything. You know, we recently um, brought on uh, Jake and Bake, who's an IRL streamer, mm-hmm. um, very different than what we're used to, um, and out in the real world. Anything can happen, even the most, you know, diabolical yeah, things, right? Absolutely. And But uh, we did that because we felt like there were, a, you know, our ultimate thing is we want to be able to provide value for whoever we work with. We don't pick, you know, work with folks just to like, because they're a name, because ultimately that could backfire on us. But we felt like we could add value that there were brands, that there were partnership opportunities that would meet him where he is and, hmm. and, and understand the risk and understand what he's, what his value and what he's bringing to the table, right? So... But there are a lot of folks that sort of, not that they opt out of being cautious, but they are mm-hmm. much more open to the, the dramatic unpredictability of, uh, of streaming in some ways maybe embrace that or mm. you know they're like really like i don't care i'll click this youtube video like whatever who knows what it is right <laughs> and that can backfire immensely so mm-hmm. not to say that like uh again that everyone is 100 percent safe because this is live but i would say is like the folks that we target that we want to work with are ones that are like mindful of that that know mm. that like understand the damage to a brand or a partner or whatever of like something really bad happening and yeah. like are at least mindful and cautious of those types of things so that's that's one piece of it yeah there's also a very important diversity piece especially for our our organization where um look we like woke up one day and we got we got a lot of white dudes on our on our on our roster right and um and part of that is like that's where the ecosystem is or was that's where that's what uh, who's really popular, mm-hmm. right? And a lot of what we've, our decisions are around like viewership, popularity, and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. It just happens. And I think it wouldn't be super surprising to probably listeners, but just more broadly, that, you know, those are who ends up being most watched. And that's just how the, the unfortunately, things have played out, right? And not mm-hmm. to say that these guys aren't bad, but like um, we need more diversity. It's something that we as an organization are thinking about, both. Uh, in gender, but in uh, ethnic background yeah. as well, right? So um, it's something that we think about. We, I'll get into taking, you know, making bets on folks in a second, but like it is, we are super mindful of it. Yeah. And, um, and we have a lot of people in our company that spend a lot of time thinking about how do we elevate minority groups mm-hmm. uh, in, the, in the content landscape to um, give them more resources and better shots and like trying to combat against like this very, uh, um, I don't know, in some ways stereotypical yeah. content ecosystem. Right. So, um, it's something, again, we care a lot about something we are going to be intentional about, like, especially like women in gaming is something that we are like something we talk about daily actively about like how we're going to, how we can make a difference personally as an organization. So, um, when we are thinking about this, yeah. we are, and like who, talent we want to work with, brands we want to work with, we are, this is something that is top of mind that we talk about, right? So I just wanted to 
put that out there. And then the sure. last thing that you hit on, which is like making bets, which is like, hey, this person doesn't have a huge amount of viewership right now, but we see a lot of potential. Like, how do we how do we think about that? Well, like you know, viewership tells only part of the story, yeah. right? And we have folks um, on our roster that have lower viewership but have an ability to mobilize their audience in mm. a way that is like far exceeds the biggest, most popular streamers, right? And if you think about it, like I have 10,000 viewers, but I can only mobilize 5% of my audience, or I have 1,000 viewers and mm -hmm. I can mobilize 80%, right? It's yeah. not quite that dramatic, but you get the sense of like, the 80% and that group is actually much, much more valuable, right? Yeah. Those are the folks that are gonna go out and like consume content. They're going to activate on partnerships and that type of thing. So it is something that we, uh, it, it's not a straightforward calculation. No. Um, and so when we look at folks, it's like, okay, we take all of this into account. Like how do they think about partnerships? Um, how do, how are they representing themselves? Um, how do they represent, uh, or how do they fit into like a, a pers our pursuit of diversity, right? Yeah. And, 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 and what that looks like. And then how good are they at mobilizing their audience? And I think like you, some combination of those would be like, all right, this is the right, this mm. is the right person for us. Like, let's move forward with this. Yeah. Hope that answers. No, no, no. That's, that was a great answer. Cool. Cause it's, it's, it's one of the things I think about as a content creator who's been doing it for a while in the podcasting yeah. space, which is very, very, very different than streaming which we've kind of moved over in the past couple of years to do yeah. um and i'm always kind of thinking of like you know what's the best way to get in front of folks and kind of share what we do in a good yeah. way where we may not have like amazing numbers but our brand loyalty is good and yeah. people and people respect what we do in a fairly good way up and down in the industry so yeah, that like right. that's the thing that i think about yeah but also i'm thinking about the folks who may not be in the spaces to be at a dice or to be at a d3 or things yeah. like that who are still trying to figure out ways to get in front of people to say like, hey, we're doing cool stuff over here, like come check us out. Yeah, um, yeah. there's like, I don't know if you've heard about this, there's like this thing about the thousand true fan theory, which is yeah. basically like, you know, if you have a thousand diehard fans, like they will buy everything that you make, they'll yeah. watch everything that you create. And uh, while there's exceptions to that, you know, but like ultimately if you can have that very diehard audience and fan base that hangs onto your every word that really cares deeply about what you're doing. Like you don't have to have staggering numbers yeah. to make a living from this and be sustainable. And actually there's some thoughts that nowadays we're like, that's not even a thousand true fans. It might only need to be a hundred true yeah. fans. Right. Uh, if you can come up with enough opportunities for them to support you, um, then you can probably be sustainable in that way too. Right. So like we, some of that mantra is something that we communicate and, and work with our, our folks on is like, how are you every day deepening your connection mm. with fans, right? And mm -hmm. creating more opportunities for them to support you. And it might not be them giving you money. It might be a retweet, right? It might be like, I'm going to follow you on TikTok. Oh, right? absolutely. And tell their friends about, uh, about what they're making. And, and, uh, so yeah, that's one of the things I, you know, if anything for people to take away who are creating content and trying to make it is like, you know, it's a day by day process deep in that relationship. However yeah. you can. Yeah, because every platform has a different version of social capital or capital in and of itself. And you can, you can leverage that in good ways. Yep. Um, how's the landscape kind of changed since the time you started working, doing this work until, you know, you just got off a stage a couple hours ago. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, sharing some good news about some of that stuff. How, how vast has the, the, the this changes happened? Yeah. Yeah. So when I so I started working full, we we're, you know, we we're talking before we. I think you jumped on here about like I used to be a social worker yeah, yeah, yeah. Like high school counseling and some stuff. 
Um, and I made the leap into gaming in 2012 full time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was, I've worked the last eight years of my career before coming to load in full time in esports yeah. and competitive gaming. And one of the examples that I used back then was like when I first started, I'm from like the League of Legends ecosystem. Yeah, yeah. Originally, I worked at Riot and some other things. But um, back then, the when I first started, the average player in League of Legends, as an example, made. $500 a month, $800 a month, you know, like, and that's when you're living at home and yeah. like, you know, maybe that's enough for you to get by. It's pretty interesting where like the average salary in the League of Legends Pro League now, I think is like 250,000, 300,000 or something. We're talking about like what in like in eight years, seven years or something like that. So like the amount of money and resources that have come into this industry more broadly is wow. like staggering. And sure, like, like people have been making games a long time. Yeah. Uh, but like so much of that value was was effectively realized by game companies, right? Yeah, yeah, and a yeah. few others. But now you have this like the content creator and surrounding ecosystem is so robust now, right? Mm-hmm. And there's so much opportunity to monetize. Uh, it has grown so significantly, gr- bigger than I would have ever thought. Right? Yeah, so yeah. I've been I've been at Loaded for about ten months, but I like the, our CEO Alex Garfield and others I've known from way back in the day. And I think we are all surprised and delighted, obviously, of like how much bigger this thing was, it has become than sure. anticipated. Because so much of this is rooted in like, we're all gamers that just like wanted our passion to be a career. And also, holy crap, can I curse on here? I don't yeah, know. Okay. Holy yeah. shit. Uh, we, we, play, we play blue on that. Okay, cool. like, like, holy shit, man. Like, how much money are these people making? Like, yeah, of course. How much, how much opportunity is there like this is way more than anything we'd anticipated right so um to answer your question like i'm daily blown away yeah um by the amount of resources and money there is in this thing and there's you know so much more room to grow and there's so much more of the pie to go around to new content creators uh it is super super exciting i don't you know i don't know where things are going i yeah. have i have a sense but like what's clear to me is that like content creation is only gonna become more impactful mm. and influencer, gaming influencers are only gonna be more influential. Yeah. And um, and they provide such a unique aspect of the like marketing world, of just the world more broadly, because they tap into this like Gen Z millennial young demographic where mm. nothing else get like very little gets through to these folks, right? Yeah. And so to say, like, fast rewind, you know, eight, nine, ten years ago, like, hey, by the way, gaming is going to be the predominant way that people market to young people. Yeah. Uh, I would never have thought that. Yeah. Right. Um, but here we are today, and that's and that's what we're experiencing. Yeah, it's madness. And and also now I'm going to become a League of Legends player. Because yeah. yeah, exactly. Good luck, man. Screw my carpal tunnel, my old ass, my, my 41 year old ass. No, yeah, so I'm, I'm 35, and I think constantly like I uh, 10 years <laughs> 10 years later or earlier, you know, whatever. I would have like. Maybe I could have been something, you know. Yeah, but, totally. Yeah. I, I look in the mirror every day, and I <laughs> yeah, think that I'm like, oh exactly. man, missed the boat. Your yeah. beard looks good, Kyle. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> but it's one of those things where yeah. I think about, you know, just how fast everything is moving, um, and also just how it is so different in the way that uh, people are kind of coming into the content creator space. Yeah. Where I remember ten years ago, 
folks didn't go into the ideas of becoming a content creator with a business plan. Right. Folks didn't understand how to brand their market or how right. to brand themselves or how to brand their content. They just wanted to make content. Right? Yeah. They but now wanna... folks are like coming into the space. Like here's the, here's the five year plan for how I want to maneuver. And I'm, and I'm curious to know, like when you are kind of getting folks who are in the circles and kind of starting yeah. to think about those things in real ways yeah. from a loaded perspective, like how much, how much, kind of steering are you in, in guidance and in, in course correction are you giving to folks who have an idea of what their the ethos, mm -hmm. ethos of their thing is but they may not necessarily get there yet yeah. you, like how do you kind of steer that because I know like folks like Ninja and Tim and, and all those folks like they've had years to build up a brand and then also like yeah. do the work of figuring out what right, that looks right. like in a real way yeah. But newer folks, or even kind of medium, you know, mm -hmm. uh, content creators in that space, they still don't know what that looks like. Right. Yeah. So what's what's the idea from the loaded perspective about how you kind of want to help guide people to, to good good places? Yeah. You know, it's interesting. So we don't do it as much as we should, and mm. I think a lot of that is because um, we, I think we have it mostly figured out. But so much of like this industry is it was emerging. It was it was new. Like, what is the baseline? of execution and planning and mm. partnerships that we that folks should have right like mm. we, we are still in many ways have been figuring out the rudimentary like what does it mean to be a live streamer or a content creator mm. in the gaming space and like fully monetize and realize all these different channels and like we've we're still learning clearly yeah. but like we've spent a lot of time figuring that out it's like okay make sure that you're like posting your stream schedule and that you have a, a social media account on every platform and that there's cross-pollination between these things and that you you know how do you integrate brands into that and being part of this ecosystem like that is i mean some would say like well, we figured that out years ago but like there's a lot to be done and just like this core baseline of work oh right? yeah and I think for anyone that's listening who's like a content creator, like I would make sure that you are checking all of the very fundamental boxes first before you're thinking of like, all right, how do I like advance my personal brand? Like sure. you should have an idea, but but get the baseline stuff first. And now that we've figured a lot of that out, now we're starting to think of like, what is the future? Like, let's talk about the next five years. And we've been having these conversations for a while, but like it really is around like, what is, where do you want to take your career? Sure. What do you want to accomplish? Um, what is your identity, not mm. only to your community, but to yourself and like what you're, you know, aspiring to, to, to be like Dr. Lupo, uh, is a great example of someone who like has, has an identity that is very like attributed or founded in like charity work, sure. right? He does the, the stuff with, uh, St. Jude, St. Jude's and all that. Right. Um, what do you want to do with that? Like, where do you want to go with that? Do you want so much of what you do to be around charity work? And if so, what does that mean for you and the yeah. things that you're doing? Right. So, um, we have, I mean, we're having tons of those conversations like every week with like, Hey Ninja, where do you want to go? What do you want to do? What do you want to accomplish? Right. So, um, it is an overlap between like the personal goals of the creator and like, the identity that they've created and you can't depart too far from that. You can't show up one day and be like, you know what? Now I, uh, I do this thing and your community is like, well, I follow you for the exact right. opposite reason. You're now a pinball stream. Like obviously like <laughs> that's what you want your identity to be. That's not why I watch you. Right. Like suddenly I'm not, so like you have, you can't deviate too far. And so you have to, you have to find this middle ground between your community and what you aspire to be. Mm. And we are, 
you know, we are figuring out what that looks like together. And it also depends on where the industry is going and um, like mainstream acceptance of gamers and mm -hmm. them as influencers, right? Like Ninja has been on Fallon twice now, right? Yeah. And Ellen Show and uh, Tim had a Super Bowl commercial, right? Yeah. Madness. Um, is that what the future has in store? Is it like more mainstream media or is it something very, very different, right? Yeah. And I think it's going to be unique to the individual creator. So we, we think about it a lot. Um, these guys have a lot of opportunities to, to, to leverage. Um, but it is, again, uh, it needs to align with what they want, what their community also like sort of expects from them a bit. Yeah, yeah. that's really interesting. Um, I moderated a panel at TwitchCon this year that uh, featured four doctors. Oh, nice. Um, and, um, real doctors? Yeah, like, real okay. doctors. Okay, nice. <laughs> okay. yeah. It was Dr. Dr. Lupo. Lupo was not, yeah, exactly. not a real doctor. <laughs> Dr. Lupo yeah, yeah. dividing cheeks on stage. Anyway, yeah. um, but it was interesting because one of the, the main crux of that conversation was around streamer health, right? Yeah, yeah, and about right. esports e and, and making sure that your body and your mind are okay. Yeah. What Are, are you hearing conversations from folks on the roster, folks you're thinking about having on the roster and in the stable about like what those things kind of look like? Mm -hmm. Where, you know, folks are... I've always talked about kind of getting the bag in the time that you can. Like, I feel like right, every right. streamer at this point right now who's making good money, we're all like in the NBA trying to figure out if we're still on our 10 day contract. Yeah, right. Yeah. And trying to see like, we're still going to stay, we're still going to be in the league tomorrow kind yeah, of deal. Yeah. Cause it can go away so quickly. What's the conversations that you're kind of having with folks in the rosters about the future of not their streaming careers, but mm -hmm. their live careers, like them being, them being healthy and them having space to, to not worry about being pigeonholed in a particular part of the streaming uh, verticals that yeah. they're in. What are some of the conversations that Loaded is having with with folks in that respect? Because I yeah. think that's super important too. Yeah, it's it, yeah, it's and it's a great question. It's different for everyone we talk to. Again, it has a lot to do with what they are aspiring to be. But you know, we talk about content diversity, right? Like yeah. not getting pigeonholed into just playing Fortnite all the time, yeah. right? Like and and your ability to bring an audience over to play a different game, uh, and that process takes time if you are known for very specific titles. So that's totally. one example. Um, you know, content uh, diversity off uh, across different platforms, right? Like, mm -hmm. how are you growing an audience, a unique audience that hopefully you can monetize and do other things on Twitter and on Instagram and TikTok and all these things, right? So, there is a lot of conversations around um, setting themselves up for future success mm -hmm. by diversifying what they're doing by taking different approaches, different styles of content, that sort of thing. Sure. Then you have a whole other bucket of things like you know, like we, and not with everybody, it depends on who they are, but like, hey, um, we would recommend that you should talk to a therapist. Not mm. because today you need a therapist, yeah. but let me tell you, three years of your Twitch chat just <laughs> shitting on you, like when you mess up, like that can go to your head, mm. right? And that can take its a toll. And, you know, similar to like uh, proactive, preventative checkups at the doctor, like, mm. look, go and have that conversation, right? Go talk to a therapist go talk to a, a financial planner, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and these are things that we don't do yeah, because, of course. you know, conflicts of interest, but like we definitely make recommendations to folks like you need a lawyer because when we sign our contract together, like you shouldn't trust us. Like, I mean, <laughs> I mean, you should, but like yeah. that's not in your best interest right, to just sign this piece of paper, right? Like, and go talk. So like we, we try to arm them with the tools to make the appropriate decisions that yep. are going to set them up succeed long-term and that is ju not just financial as I describe it's not just legal there is a mental health and physical health thing no. that is such a big part of this um, you know it is hard to tell 
guys and gals that play games 12 hours a day to go out and like hit the gym and like, you know, yeah, listen, walk around. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, just like move around a little bit. I'm one of those people, uh, mm-hmm. but it is important. And, and we try to communicate the value of those things. You know, having worked in esports for a super long time, I know that like the, the guys that are like guys and gals that are going to the gym and that are like really taking care of themselves have like a better mental state for when yeah. they're competing. Um, all of those things are, are, are taken into account and are important to be a successful streamer, especially long-term. Like you, you got to avoid burnout. You got to take vacation. We, we try to come up with tools and recommendations of like, hey, if you are going to take a vacation this month, yeah. um, your best time to, to lose as few subs as possible on Twitch would be this day. Something like Interesting. that, right? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. so like there's, there are a lot of like, you know, different recommendations and things that we do that sort of f- fit very much the streamer goals and objectives and, and speak their language to them of like, hey, well, I can't go work out every morning. Well, it's like, cool, then like, let's find a gym that's open at like two in the morning for you or something like yeah, that, yeah, right? Yeah. Like something that's much more akin to your schedule and what no. you're doing. Yeah. Sadly, we are running out of time. Oh, I wish I could snag great, you yeah. for a whole <laughs> other 30 great, minutes because yeah. you're fantastic. I appreciate it. Um, the last question I'll leave you with sure. is, you know, of course, you're working with some of the biggest names in the industry. You're, you're yeah. knocking out of the park and they're doing really, really Thanks, well man. in terms of brand recognition, financials, all those all those bits. What would you tell to the folks who are kind of in that space who are not necessarily new, but kind of are in that space where they're like, I need to figure out ways to get to that next step. They've kind mm-hmm. of done the base work. Yeah, They've yeah. gotten their socials together. They got all that stuff together. What would you kind of tell those folks that if they're looking to say like, hey, Loaded, look at me, what are some of the things you can share with them to kind of get them into that next place? Yeah, you know, we get that question a good amount. And oftentimes like, hey, you, um, like our, our goal as a company is never about like, it's all, it's centered around, can we provide value to you, Hmm. right? And I think a lot of folks think about it that way, which is like, look, I could sign 10,000 streamers tomorrow, right? And they could all come on, but like, can I actually do anything for you, right? And so, um, but to answer that question and to like come up with a solution isn't just pure viewership, right? It's not like, that's like a very straightforward way to do it, but like, what is your thing? What is your niche? What is your like unique value that you provide? Mm. And in some cases it's like, I play Euro truck simulator and I'm one of three streamers that play this game with like a decent sized audience. And so automotive partnerships are like, you know, very, they rock yeah, it, exactly. Yeah. Right. Um, so that's, that's part of it. I also, you know, so like find that unique value, lean into that. Hmm. Um, and I mean, this is an incredibly competitive space, yeah. right? And it's also very top heavy with how discoverability works in all these platforms. It's like the rich get richer, you yeah, know, the biggest absolutely. streamers are at the top of the list. So they're going to get more viewers yeah. so they stay at the top. That's just how and they'll get more followers. That's just how it goes. Um, but keep grinding and keep finding and identifying your unique value, what, what it is that makes you different and special. And um, so that's one bucket. A couple other things. One, there's a lot of luck and randomness that yeah. is involved in this, right? And like Dr. Lupo is a really interesting example. And if you've heard this story, but like he was in a PUBG game and he naded Ninja from like across the, the map. <laughs> and I, I might be telling the story wrong, but my understanding is like Ninja's like, holy shit, that was a crazy nade. Who is that guy? Yeah. And like played with him. And literally Dr. Lupo got a bunch of, because he threw a random nade in like a game and got his attention yeah. and play it. And right. And so now he like takes up. So everyone, not everyone, sorry, but a lot of people have had that moment yeah. that has propelled them into, into, you know, the higher echelons of, of streaming viewership. Yeah. Right. But that is like, there's a lot of randomness. So 
I wouldn't bet on a breakout, you know, opportunity like that. And, and so in, in absence of that, it is about you finding your unique value mm-hmm. and um, how does that translate into your audience yeah. and how do they perceive you and how do they support you and do they care about that thing that you care about too? Yeah. So I, you know, similar to a ton of industries, it's like everyone's kind of like one break away from like, you know, mm-hmm. to making it big. Um, and sometimes that break never comes. Sure. And, in, in, and in the absence of that, like, how are you doing it different? Mm. And, uh, and that's my, you know, for folks that are like continuing to grind, uh, like, it is about real value to fans and yeah. to viewers, right? And um, sometimes it's hard to do that. And it's also like the unique value that I've identified myself, like, oh, you know, unique value, like a hundred other people have that, you know, mm-hmm. like, and, and, and like, so how do I stand out in that regard? And like, it's, it's not straightforward and easy, but uh, the more time you could spend building an audience around the thing that makes you special, mm-hmm. um, the more support you'll get, the, the, the better your chances are. That is a damn good jewel to leave <laughs> this podcast with. Yeah. Again, folks, if you're listening to this one of your podcasts, like these are the these are the conversations that you're only going to get here. And of course, massive amounts of love to you for coming through and hanging yeah, out with us. If me. there's ways for folks to maybe uh, connect to you on social, if you want to yeah, share some of that stuff, yeah. I mean, ultimately, uh, so I'm on Twitter. It's twitter.com/slash Nick Allen. Uh, pretty standard stuff. But I think, like, honestly. Uh, while I have like a social media following, like I, my job is to like make the content creators king. So like anything you guys can do to go support our, our guys and gals, like that would mean the world to me. So I was, I was really it. hoping for you to promote your TikTok, but I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, exactly. I'm disappointed it's a that, secret you, that you did not yeah. share your TikTok. <laughs> uh, not, you know, I don't like to give it out. It's, uh, it's, it's reasonable. Yeah. It's reasonable. It's reasonable. It's, it's, yeah. it's the after work TikTok. I dig yeah. it. I dig it. I dig it. Again, thank you so much for rocking with yeah, us man, this, this, today. Um, and again, like these are the cool conversations we're having at Dice this, this week. Uh, lots of more, lots of more cool things to come. Uh, and we'll all see you in a bit. Much love and peace. Hey, everybody. That was our Dice episode. Dice 2020 was a fantastic show. Again, check out our Samar Thoughts episode as well. This is going to be dropping soon. Um, that'll give you some more information about like my thoughts about the actual show and everything that went down and some conversations I had with some really fun people. Um, huge thank you to Stanley and to Nick for joining me this week uh, and taking time out of their busy, busy schedules to rock with us here at Spawn on Me. I think we uh, got some really good information, especially on the ESA side about kind of the future of what the show looks like on the E3 side and what they're kind of doing to kind of make things better and right some wrongs. Uh, that happened in 2019. Uh, really great to also hear about the conversations around the way people are thinking about content creation and about influencer relationships uh, in the industry as well. Um, again, if you want to hear more things, uh, we'll be dropping some more information on some more thoughts. Uh, you'll be able to check that stuff out on Patreon soon and then on this feed as well a couple days later. Massive love to all of you this week and every week for rocking with me on Spawn Me, and um, we we'll hope to see you soon next week remember to subscribe remember to share the show out remember to give us some love on the interwebs and uh give us some reviews because we love those as well so we'll be speaking to you in a bit and much love and peace